You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hello and welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. I'm so happy you're here. This is going to be another great episode, and I hope that it's going to help so many of you. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of CoconutsAndKettleBalls.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a National Strength and Conditioning Association certified personal trainer. We are rolling right into episode 343. I apologize in advance. I'm slightly nasally because I've been fighting off a little cold, and it just doesn't want to leave. So, but I promise to make up for it with our guest, Dr. Steffi Darnelius. She's going to be here talking to us all about hormone imbalances and what your symptoms actually mean. So I had a idea to interview some guest experts, doctors, people who are experts in the field of hormone imbalances and working with their clients on a deep level to help them fix their symptoms or period problems or whatever. And so many of you have so many questions about, well, here's my situation. What does that mean for me? And so this is kind of a, a the second part in our series, just question and answer, question and answer sessions with the expert. And today we're really going to be focusing on period problems. So things like hypothalamic amenorrhea, PMS, what does it mean if you have heavy periods, um, and even things that are a little bit more technical like endometriosis and fibroids. So I am really excited to have Dr. Steffi here, and I'm, I'm excited to introduce her to you all. Before we dive in, Blue Blocks is an amazing supporter of this podcast. I so appreciate them. Uh, not only for their support and them really backing this podcast for so long, but also their products because I'm wearing it right now. I've got my my blue blocking glasses on, which are is just been so crucial for me. I've been struggling with eye strain and headaches, and I, I've been looking at my computer more like so many people, and it's just made such a huge difference. And I've also just really struggled with sleep and circadian rhythms and their sleep glasses and their red bulbs. So we have red bulbs in our nightstands. We have red bulbs in the kids' rooms um, just to help them sort of turn down at the night. You know, I don't I don't leave overhead lights on anymore after doing so many good podcasts on both, you know, red light therapy and just managing blue light overload. Um, it's made a huge difference in my life and my kids' lives. So Anytime you are looking at screens, whether it's at, you know, your computer or your phone, you should really be wearing blue blocking glasses. The blue blocks computer glasses filter out all the harsh light we experience when we look at screens. They, they're clear, so they don't have a color. They're really gorgeous, and they look like really nice glasses. And then the sleep glasses, the ones that you put on at night after the sun sets, that actually blocks out all the blue light from 450 to 550 nanometers, which is the exact range that has been shown in clinical trials to disrupt melatonin and negatively impact our sleep. So if you are having problems with your sleep, disrupted sleep, having a hard time falling asleep, get yourself a pair of Sleep Plus glasses. It will change your life. Our special discount is 15% off, which is huge. Blueblocks.com slash wellfed. Again, it's B-L-U. B-L-O-X, blueblocks.com forward slash wellfed. Use our code wellfed to get uh, the 15% discount, and they do free shipping um, worldwide, which is very helpful. I don't like paying for shipping, so I like that. Dr. Steffi is a naturopathic doctor and founder of the Hormone Reset Method. She's a women's health expert and has a deep passion for helping women learn more about their bodies, especially how their hormones and monthly cycles are connected to their overall health. As a naturopathic doctor, she has the honor of blending modern science with natural therapies to look at her patients through a holistic lens, seeing them as individuals with unique journeys and getting to the root of why they may be unwell. After her, her interactions with her patients, she hopes that she helps them feel empowered to take control of their health and reminds them that we all have an innate ability to heal. Welcome, Dr. Steffi. Hello. Hi. I'm so happy you're here and so cool. I always am amazed that I get to have conversations with people in other countries so easily. 
Yes, yes. Uh, I love it too. And that's how the internet just can connect so many people. Otherwise, yes. you would have. Yes. Yeah. And how much did we need it in the last couple oh. of, well, last two years? <laughs> I was going to say, it's almost crazy how it's almost two years. Right? I know. I know. It's, it feels like forever, but all of a sudden, I was actually just realizing that this year's almost over. I know. And it all happens so fast. And if you don't stop, like, you have to stop and really appreciate the seasons that you're in because if you don't, it's gone. Yes. It's gone. 100%. Totally. Well, yes. I'm I'm so thankful that you're here because I know that you are so educated and uh, you know, you have so much knowledge about women's hormones. That is your thing. You educate it about women's hormones on Instagram, which is actually how I found you was one of your reels. You do reels mm -hmm. regularly. Yes. And so I just was dying to introduce you to this audience, and I know so many people are going to um, learn a lot from you. We have a lot of questions to get to, but yes. before we do, I, I always find it interesting when people choose to go into medicine, but ultimately choose a holistic or, or a naturopathic route. Mm -hmm. So how did you become familiar with naturopathic medicine, and, and what made you want to help people in this way? Yes. And you know, it's it's a, such an interesting story because when I was in university doing my undergrad in sciences, I had no idea what naturopathic medicine was. I was on the road to be a medical doctor, but just something wasn't aligning with me. And it's not to say that it was bad. It's just, I just knew that that wasn't the, the road I was going to be going down. And I actually, I thought I was going to be a dentist. So I went mm. through, through that road and I applied and whatnot. And that's just when kind of like naturopathic medicine just like dropped into my lap. And I was starting to see that there was another way to help people heal where it wasn't just, you know, take this medication. It was, how are you feeling? Like, what's going on? What's the root causes of the reason why you're experiencing whatever you're experiencing with your health? And once I learned that, the world just like opened up um, for me. And it came at such divine timing because it was actually when I was very in what I call like the trenches of my own hormonal journey that I came across naturopathic medicine and it helped me so much with my periods and I also have a fibroid and it just mm. really changed things for me and I'm just so grateful that that it found me because now I'm on this journey on my own but also now I get to help so many women with my own personal story and with the professional training that I have. Yeah. So you actually saw a naturopathic doctor when you were struggling with your own personal like period problems? Yes. And that's huh. kind of just how, how everything started. And I, it's just like things started coming to me where I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm seeing how like food's affecting me. Now I'm see, seeing how, mm. how I'm feeling emotionally is affecting me. And then when I went into school, it's really, it just really opened things up to see that it's rarely just one reason why a woman's experiencing her hormonal struggles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's dive into um, hormone imbalances and specifically how hormones impact, you know, our period problems. I, I kind of <laughs> classify these, I, you know, all these hormone issues as period problems because it, it really is. It's just hormones are just impacting so many aspects of our, our cycle, but, you know, many other things too. And, um, you know, things like hypothalamic amenorrhea, you mentioned fibroids, heavy periods and more. So um, on Instagram, you, you did a reel, which I loved. It was all about the root cause of hormone imbalances. Mm -hmm. Um which I want you to talk more about, but why do you think so many women struggle with hormone imbalances and period problems? And what is that root cause? Yes. So I think just as a society, we just have a lot going on. Um, there's, you know, we have different roles as, as women, we're either, you know, we're working, we're mothers, we're trying to keep up with everything. And I feel like that's started to just change how our hormones are acting. And a lot of it also has to do with our physical environment. So if if there really is one root that I would say is at the bottom of most hormonal imbalances, it's inflammation. So many of us are inflamed. And when inflammation is happening in the body, that's when I when I tell my patients, it's kind of like when there's inflammation, your body starts 
acting funny and it's like the system breaks or it's not going to be acting the way that it's supposed to. So if inflammation's there, that's when our estrogen and our progesterone are going to start getting wonky. So that is the root of, of I would say, all, all hormonal imbalances. So this might be a complicated follow-up, but like what is inflammation? Because I think a lot of us have no, we hear that a lot, but we don't yes. necessarily know what it is. Um, yes. So what is, what is inflammation yeah, in the body? Yeah. And totally. And it's, it's inflammation. I feel like it becomes such an elusive term where you mm-hmm. hear about it, but it's like, okay, what does it actually mean? So inflammation is something that's created by our immune system. And it's created because our body is coming across something it doesn't like. So when our body is coming across something it doesn't like, it creates this response. And that response, I almost describe it like it's like a little army that gets released where it's trying to fight something. And depending on how that fight is going to show up for a person is going to depend on the system it's in or the symptoms you're having. So inflammation can come in many forms. It could come through hormonal imbalances. It can show up as mood changes. It could show up as acne, eczema. It can be really dependent on the person, how it's going to show up in their body. But it's something that the immune system is creating to just say like, "Mm, I don't like what's going on. And depending on what it doesn't like, it can be from food, it can be from stress, it could be from um, certain things, um, products or ingredients in your environment. It could be from a multitude of things, what the immune system is responding to. Hmm. So what are some steps? Because it, it does seem like inflammation is, I like what you said, it kind of, it's all, it, depending on where the inflammation is, that actually can result in a number of different symptoms. Mm -hmm. So what are some steps that women can take to resolve inflammation, specifically when we're talking about inflammation that's at the root of these, you know, hormonal imbalances or hormone issues? Mm -hmm. I would say the two major areas that you can really start getting some shifts with would be with what you're eating and nutrition and how, how you're treating yourself in terms of like self-care and stress management. So nutrition and, and stress management would be the two biggest things you can do to help you to tackle inflammation. So with nutrition, it's something where food, food is so powerful because it provides our body with inflammation where, yes, it could be giving us the nutrients to create things in our in our bodies and in our cells, but it could also be signaling to the body to whether it should turn on or turn off inflammation. So there are certain foods, like almost what I call like food groups, um, like quote unquote, that can create inflammation for most people. Um, So those would be things like um, cow's dairy, it would be gluten, um, refined sugars, um, oils, like refined vegetable oils. Those are usually like the top four that I start with a lot of my patients and I chat about with women because I think those are just so ubiquitous in, Mm. in in our environments. Yeah. So do hormone imbalances always lead to period problems? So if a woman is experiencing a hormone imbalance, is she going to see that come out in changes to her period, whether it's like cycle length or or pain or cramping, more cramping or, uh, you know, or is it sometimes you can experience hormone imbalances and not see that come out in your in period problems? Mm-hmm. I would say for a majority of women, yes. If there are hormonal imbalances there, they're going to show up in some way for you to either physically or emotionally for you to, to be like, okay, I think something is, is off here with my period. And that's another thing where it's, it's just becoming aware and connecting to your body. Because sometimes I think as women, especially as we grew up, we were kind of just thought that these things were quote unquote normal. So you might mm-hmm. not be, pay- be paying attention to them. You might just be saying like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like I'm a little moody today. It's because my period's coming and not really see that that's a messenger that your body's trying to show you that, Hey, something's imbalanced here. And I'm trying to show you with, with your change in your mood here. Oh, I love that. And that's why I, I love the idea of just normal, like regular tracking of your cycles, whether you're trying to get pregnant or not, because it is their their little messages 
to you. You know, yeah. if, if you if something is off or you're not getting your period or it's late or it's short, you know, shorter, it, that's a that's a message. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of almost like a, sometimes you can catch those messages before it turns into a big, you know, red yes. stop sign exactly. <laughs> saying yes. like, you have a problem, you need to stop. Yes. So, yeah, I love that. Um, one of the other things you talk about on Instagram, which I love, is the five main threats to hormone health. So let's yeah. create that foundation and then and then we'll dive into our questions from the community. Yes. Yes. So what I, what I think the five main threats to hormonal health would number one being stress. And I think this is really telling for all of us collectively, just being in, in this experience for the last two years, we have stress levels that we might not even be recognizing and that can definitely negatively impact our hormonal health. So stress is number one. The next thing is What's in our environment? So there's a lot of environmental toxins that can be dampering our hormonal health. So things like certain plastics, fragrances, they all have, or I shouldn't say all, but a lot of them have the potential to be turning on our cells and turning on estrogen when we don't really want it to be getting turned on. And that can cause an imbalance in the system. The third one would be blood sugar. So if our blood sugar is imbalanced, then this can also trigger some hormonal symptoms. So this is another concept where sometimes if some people might have a difficult time wrapping their head around, because once they hear blood sugar, they might automatically think diabetes. Diabetes is something that's kind of like the long-term effects of blood sugar imbalances, but blood sugar could be something as simple as, are you often craving carbs? Is your energy crashing um, after you're eating meals? Um, are you are you finding that you're gaining a lot of weight, especially in your midsection, and you're doing all of the things and nothing's happening. Those are often signs that your blood sugar is is imbalanced. Um, And then the fourth threat would be constipation. This is huge. Our digestive system is so tightly connected with our hormonal health, where when our body is essentially detoxing its hormones, because that's what it's naturally supposed to do, where if there are any old or extra hormones, especially estrogen, our body is wanting to get rid of that. So the way it gets rid of that is through our poops. So if we're not releasing that every day, then constipation is kind of telling the body to recycle that estrogen is trying to get rid of and that could be leading to some of the hormonal symptoms many women feel and then the last threat is poor sleep sleep is another thing that's just so underrated but it's just so vital when it comes to our overall our overall health but especially our hormonal health because if we're not sleeping well that's the time where our bodies actually restoring and almost recharging. So if that's not happening, that can be triggering inflammation and can also be sending your hormones for a loop. Yeah. And I think that so beautifully touches everything that's so, it's so com- like hormones are so complex, but that is like your, your five pillars right there. Mm-hmm. And underneath all of that, is your mental health and your mindset, right? Because as you were talking, it just, it kind of, you know, I was thinking through all the the pillars, creating the visual, so to speak, (laughs) and really mental health and your mindset impacts every single one of those pillars, your sleep, Mm -hmm. how you're managing your stress, and yeah, even your blood sugar and how you're able, because we know stress impacts blood sugar, but also your mental health and your mindset's going to impact how you interact with food um, and and all of the above. So anyway, I I think that that was was wonderful, and now I'm... um, thinking in my head of what a beautiful like chart that would be that I need to <laughs> so it should be a downloadable chart um yes, right. a freebie a free freemium <laughs> if you struggle with blood sugar spikes or drops or experience symptoms of blood sugar dysregulation like hanger shakiness 
or that dreaded 3 p.m. energy crash, you can absolutely benefit from specific nutrients that are known to support the stabilization of blood sugar and metabolism. Many, many of you know that your bodily functions, such as hunger, sleep, and mood, are glucose dependent, which means your optimal daily performance is reliant on balanced blood glucose. And many things can disrupt your blood sugar, including diet or stress. A lack of sleep can really impact that, and so can hormone imbalances. The good news is that there are some amazing natural nutrients that are great for improving blood sugar, and they can be found in Bioptimizer's Blood Sugar Breakthrough. It's basically a compound supplement. You guys know I love compound supplements that contains research-based ingredients that have been scientifically proven to optimize blood sugar levels. Uh, It has chromium and biotin, which are key nutrients that support blood sugar metabolism and insulin production, and berberine, which research suggests may improve insulin sensitivity. Bioptimizer's blood sugar breakthrough doesn't have any cheap filler ingredients or preservatives. If you're struggling with blood sugar dysregulation, I highly recommend giving it a try. Go to blood sugar breakthrough dot health slash well fed to get our podcast community discount because you know we always get the best deals you can get a bundle discount and then use the code well fed 10 to get an additional 10 percent off again that's three words so blood sugar breakthrough b-l-o-o-d-s-u-g-a-r and then breakthrough b-r-e-a-k-t-h-r-o-u-g-h dot health and then forward slash well fed and then use our code well fed 10 for an additional 10 percent off Okay, so questions from the community. Let's talk about period length. So this one's from Cindy. She says, my cycle has always been every four weeks on the dot. Now, after two kids, I'm 35, they've gotten shorter. So about 24 to 25 days because my follicular phase has gotten shorter. Is this just due to age? So one of the interesting things that I learned in some of these interviews is that your period actually changes as you age. Um, So what is like, I guess what's what's a nor- what are normal changes versus huh this is something we you know some this is again a messenger Yes. Yeah. So for for Cindy, with her being 35, I actually doubt it's about it has anything to do with her age. Um so just to kind of give a little bit of a background as women age, I would say probably closer to 45, 50, that's when we, a woman would be entering what we call perimenopause, where her periods might start changing. But at 35, for most women, that typically shouldn't be happening. So this, for Cindy, is probably a sign that something else is happening. Hmm. So with with a shorter cycle i find that can happen often even after having kids is because your body has gone through so much change and it's it's essentially a stress on the system so having kids that's a big life change there's a lot of things that would change mentally and physically so your body's probably trying to adapt to that and it might not be able to keep up so with it not being able to keep up, this is when things start showing showing in your period. So I imagine for, for Cindy, she, probably a huge connection is to stress. I imagine that's probably what um, is, is happening there. Because this is what happens more, like when I say how it's affecting hormones. When a woman is under high stress, it starts affecting a hormone called progesterone. So progesterone is something that we release after we ovulate. And if we're under high stress, we're either not going to ovulate or our ovulation will be delayed. Or if we do ovulate, our body is kind of focusing so much more on a stress response where it's not really creating the right amount of progesterone it's supposed to have. And this is when shorter cycles or um, spotting or long cycles can start happening. Hmm. Okay, this one's from Jenna. Just to perfectly follow up on on what you just said, she said, "What's considered late ovulation, and what can I do to help this?" The last few periods, I've gone to twenty one days before ovulation. Luteal phase is consistently nine to ten days. Is the discrepancy 
is this discrepancy problematic? Also, mm-hmm. could this be causing some of the terrible emotional PMS symptoms that teeter on the edge of PMDD? Mm-hmm. Yes. So this is a similar thing where probably, yeah, her body's under a lot more stress because having a 21-day follicular um, phase to a 9 to 10 day nine to 10 day luteal phase, it is imbalanced. We actually want those to be a little closer together. So for her, and not to sound like a broken record, she's probably under a certain level of stress or maybe she not might not realize and is starting to show up through, through her periods. Because back to that um, progesterone piece, if your body is creating more cortisol, which is one of our number one stress hormones, it's going to not worry about creating the progesterone. It's going to focus more on the cortisol and not really so much on the progesterone. And this is probably can be contributing to her longer, her longer cycles. And also that imbalance or those feelings, those mood shifts. With PMDD, um, many women, they're not producing enough progesterone. Um, and progesterone is, is such a, such a beautiful hormone because it also has such a positive effect on a woman's nervous system. So progesterone actually, I, it's like call, I call it the calm, cool, and collected hormone, where if we're making enough progesterone, we're going to feel calm, we're probably going to sleep better, and our emotions will be a little more consistent. They won't be as um, up and down. So she's probably teetering on the lower progesterone side. So how do you know, well, I'm guessing this is situational, but how do you know if you're dealing with a low progesterone issue or a high estrogen issue? Because it seems like everybody talks about estrogen dominance, but Mm -hmm. it actually probably makes more sense that more women are actually just dealing with low progesterone. Yes. So... It can be both, honestly. I actually find it's more, most common for the, the the women in my community. They're experiencing both high estrogen and low progesterone. So those two together kind of just makes the perfect formula for all of the stuff that we experience. Right. The thing with progesterone, it's it's so underrated. And I think so many of us in this modern society actually aren't making enough progesterone because we just have so much quote-unquote stuff going on that um, our bodies isn't making the amount that it, it should. Yeah. So that's it's influencing a lot of the, the symptoms we're having. This one's from Christian. Kristen. She says, I am having cycles from that are 37 to 42 days long. My luteal phase is totally normal, but my follicular phase continues to be long. Any insight on what this would be? You just kind of mentioned that. Mm -hmm. But I want to know when we see this and when we you're saying it's probably low progesterone, what are some actionable tips for actually like raising progesterone then? Mm -hmm. One of them I would say is making sure you're sleeping well and to really like, check in and have that radical honesty and responsibility of like, how am I feeling? Like, how am I feeling emotionally? What is my mindset like? What is my mental health like? Um, and I think a lot of us, we don't do that. We're kind of just, we go with the the, the notions and um, just go with the day-to-day of life where we don't have those check-ins. Um, where progesterone is just so intricately connected with stress and sleep. That would be I would say the most actionable way you can start addressing that. Um, And then you can always go with to a naturopathic doctor to really um, see what things you might be able to take because there are certain herbs that you can um, take to help um, a woman with her progesterone. But that would be really dependent on the individual and being under the guidance of either a naturopathic doctor or a functional medical doctor. Got it. Yeah, sleep and stress, I think, are the two things that women just, we, we, it's hard to be, like you said, have a real, like, gut check honesty moment, because mm-hmm. we can easily make excuses for not sleeping. And when it comes down to it, you know, I, I have to, I, I can quickly rationalize why I need to be up, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. as a mom, I'm like, This is my only time. I am not going to just go to bed. But then it just it it just tumbles. It becomes worse and worse. And it's like the less you sleep, the worse things get, and the less you have patience with your children. So yes, I um 
sometimes you do have to get to that rock bottom moment of this is not working. This is, mm-hmm. I am broken. <laughs> I'm not, yes. I'm, I need to fix myself and really radically change, you know, your lifestyle and just ha- your conversations that you're having, your your mindset, all of the things, conversations you're having with yourself mm-hmm. um, and really kind of get honest with, okay, am I though? Because, you know, man, things can fly by, you know, time flies when you're just finally able to sit down and watch a TV. It's like all of a sudden it's 1030 or 11 o'clock. And one of the things that I've noticed personally is if, you know, if I'm watching something on TV, which is what we all do, right? We all scroll, we're on our phones. That's kind of what we do to to just check out. Mm-hmm. But if we do that, it actually kind of keeps our mind going and alive. And it's so hard to then turn the dial down and actually yes. fall asleep. Yes. And once you've missed, like with kids, once you've missed the window, it is really hard to get that cortisol back down. Yes, yes. And it's yeah. huge. And I think this is where we have to start almost like what I call self-parenting and having that honesty with ourselves. where sometimes these things could be so simple, where it's, is this me watching, you know, the, the series on Netflix or me scrolling on my phone? Is this really productive? Like, yeah, you know, it's something where you're just checking out, but you're still your nervous system is still very much active and it's not it's not turning off because it's exposed to the bright light and also just whatever stimulation would be happening like mm-hmm. whatever you're watching your your nervous system is getting activated yeah yeah um this one's from Ruth she says i'm 41 in the last 2 months i have had my period 2 weeks apart when i told my obgyn she said i should take birth control pills to fix that I stopped Mm -hmm. taking them two years ago and don't want to take them again. I don't know what to do or who to ask slash trust. Yes. Yes. This is, that's such a great question. So when you're having, when a woman is having such close um, periods where it's like only two weeks, that's a sign she's probably not ovulating. So when we ovulate, it kind of creates a little more of that buffer to stretch, to stretch things out. So not ovulating either can really lengthen our periods or really shorten them. So if she's having a period every two weeks, then we have to go back to that progesterone piece being like, okay, are you like, how's your sleep? How is your stress? But then also with with her kind of having periods so close together, we still have to look at her her estrogen to see maybe it's something that's still quite cut quite high that could be leading to to the bleeding. So for Ruth, I would say it's probably best, um, you know, if you're not feeling like the birth control pill is aligning to where you're at, seeing a, a naturopathic doctor or functional medical doctor will will definitely help you. Um, be on that path so you don't have to go on it. Right, because the birth control pill doesn't actually make you ovulate, right? It does the opposite. So, and and that's the thing where, yeah, it'll help with the symptoms, which, you know, sometimes there's certain moments in time where, you know, maybe a woman just for now wants to just heal, just work on her symptoms. And that's okay, too. Because sometimes women could be bleeding so heavy or they're having their periods every two weeks and where they're at in their life at that moment, it's better for them, for them personally to go on the pill and that's, that's okay. Um, But if we really want to get to the roots of it, yeah, the pill will just be hiding kind of what's going on. Right. Okay, so this is heavy periods. We've had, we had a couple questions um, and actually two regarding teens. Mm-hmm. So the first one's from Lauren. She says, natural ways to reduce heavy periods and the hormone imbalance that causes them. Mm-hmm. After my last pregnancy, I got my period back around nine months postpartum, and it was horrible. I could not leave the house as no extra heavy pad and tampon combo worked for more than 30 minutes. I'm 11 mm-hmm. weeks with our second, and I'm terrified I will experience this again. It completely disrupted life for several months, and I was unable to get it under control. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what could be happening here when we're dealing with heavy periods? I just want to take a couple of steps back to kind of explain like what actually is going on in the body. So when we get our period, that is from our uterine lining. So we have a little lining in our uterus. That's what's coming off and that's what's creating our period. 
And what can create and thicken that lining is estrogen. So if we have more estrogen in our system, that means that lining is just going to get even thicker and thicker. So with a woman with heavy bleeding, it's usually because she has a higher amount of estrogen going on. But this is when the progesterone piece is still important. So progesterone, I call it the sticky glue of the uterus, meaning it's what keeps the uterine lining in place. And so we have to have a certain amount of progesterone to keep that lining in place. If we don't have enough, then it's just going to slosh off. So what could be happening is she has a lot of estrogen making it thick and then the progesterone isn't keeping it in place. So all of it is just coming off and that's why she might be getting her, her heavy flow. So to kind of get even deeper into like, okay, how, how and why is the high estrogen, low progesterone happening is back to that inflammation piece. So when that inflammation is there, it's going to create higher amounts of estrogen, and then it could also trigger the lower amounts of progesterone. So for her, a great place to start looking is, especially having after having a baby, is um, is she actually is she eating, and how much is she eating? Um, is she? And this one could be a tough one as as a newer as having a, a little baby. Is how is she sleeping, and is she asking for help? Is she asking for help? Um, that probably would be a great area to start looking at because then it can start reducing that inflammation in her system to kind of help balance out her, her hormones. Yeah. And I heard you talking about, um, environmental estrogens too. And that, that's a huge reason why I'm so passionate about like skincare that doesn't have, that is tested for endocrine disruptors and getting that out of your, your sort of <laughs> taking that yeah. out of the picture just exactly. so that's like taken care of and not drinking out of plastics and not heating up food in plastic so that we're not exposing our like our environment we're already set up to have yes. so you know low progesterone this hormone dominance just like you were talking about so proactively getting endocrine disruptors out of our skincare mm -hmm. and not drinking and doing everything out of plastics really really it just sets you up for success there too yeah Totally. Because yeah. it's those um, little, little things that add up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have two questions about teenagers. So, mm -hmm. and this is a new area for me that I, I hadn't really thought about, which is, you know, young girls, they got a lot going on. They're stressed. Their hormones are all over the place. They get their period for the first time, or maybe they finally, you know, it's just, it's just kind of, they get their cycle and they're really, it's regulating for the first year or two. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that leads to a lot of unwanted issues for teenagers. Mm -hmm. So um, one is from Rebecca. She says, heavy period for teens. Is there anything we can do to help regulate it without resorting to hormonal birth control? And Amy says, very painful period for teen daughter. Also has long cycles and excessive hair growth. Docker recommended birth control. Are there, are there alternatives? <laughs> and it seems like that is how our, we are quick to put our teens on birth <laughs> control when... Yes that's not going to solve anything and it sets them up to just be on birth control for a really long time until they kind of have their moment of like oh i want to have a baby or oh i'm getting married and that's like decades you know that could be decades that they're on the pill and not actually working on these hormone imbalances so yes. what you know i'll let you answer but what can we actually do for you know heavy periods for teens and teens who are dealing with these long cycles and and you know maybe just pain that which is so hard to see our kids in pain yes yes it's it's so tough um so i think with teens it's such a it could be such a great and pivotal time to start teaching our young women to be connecting with their bodies and understanding the things that they might be doing or feeling that could be influencing it and kind of just to go off of what you're saying it is unfortunate when young teens are put on birth control because their bodies are still very much in flux so as young women, it, it could be almost up until we're like 18, 19 before our body in essence almost figures itself out in regards to, mm. to its hormones. So if we're at putting birth control in there, it's kind of like the body never had a chance to figure out its own hormonal rhythm. So I just wanted to, to put share that. Um, but it's again, back to the basics. We're like heavy periods and painful periods. The root of that is inflammation. So even as young as young teens and young women, kids and kids, they can be very inflamed. They can be inflamed in the sense of back to food. What are they eating? Because I think even um, 
young young kids and teens they're marketed a lot towards you know the more packaged foods and quick foods where they might taste yummy and quote unquote be convenient but they might not actually be serving serving our young population so the easiest thing i would say easy um or it might not be the most easy for parents but getting back to them eating real food where it's like okay instead of you know having the you know the pop tarts or you know the breaded chickens and stuff getting them eating the greens um having protein having starchy veg things things like that because a lot of it has to do i find with teens it's the lifestyle pieces that that really need to get um solidified yeah. Do you recommend for teenagers doing any sort of hormone testing? Like, do you do that in your practice where you're trying to get a picture of actually where hormones are at or what hormone imbalances are happening? Or do you work mostly off of like symptoms? And yeah. So for, for teens, I work mostly off of symptoms because the symptoms are often showing us kind of where there might be some imbalances or supports needed. With women that are in their 20s and 30s, um, I still work a lot off of symptoms, but blood work can kind of give us a little extra information, not always. And this is where sometimes I find symptom um, symptoms can show stronger, like what's going on versus blood work. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, our last uh, section is hormone imbalances. So this one's from Allie. She said, I'd love to know your thoughts on taking DHEA for low progesterone slash absent ovulation. So this seems to be a common theme for a lot of us is that our progesterone is low. Um, so what do, what are your thoughts on um, taking DHEA? Mm-hmm. So the thing with DHEA, it's 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 interesting um, where, so I'm based in Canada. Um, and what I've started to notice is we're not actually, people can't just get DHEA in Canada. It has to be prescribed. So it's not something that women can just take. Huh. Um, so D, yeah. So I was actually surprised to learn um, that in the, in the States, you can just get DHEA um, or here it's like regulated. You couldn't just take it. So DHEA wouldn't be my choice for progesterone. The reason I say that is DHEA is is a form of what we call an androgen. So it's kind of like a testosterone where if we kind of provide the system with a DHEA, we don't know if it's going to turn into a progesterone. Um, it might go down more of the route into a testosterone. And so with, proge- with progesterone, I'm looking more at things like stress. So in my practice, I use a lot of herbal medicine. So we would be looking at something called adaptogens. So adaptogens are herbs that can really just help support the body's stress cortisol response and kind of help with the calming of its nervous system. So a lot of times I'm doing that to help progesterone. Um, and also I use um, quite a bit of chastree, which is a herb that can also naturally help a woman with her progesterone levels. So the short answer, I would say I would personally or professionally when I with patients, I don't do DHEA for low progesterone. Got it. That is really interesting. I actually did not know that. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. So this is from Erica. She says dim detox supplements and does it do anything? So um, I've been recommended to take this while also doing bioidentical progesterone for endometriosis, estrogen dominance. How soon could you really see benefits? So I think obviously this is a pretty personal question and kind of there's a lot going on, but what are some ways to actually heal endometriosis and is it is it estrogen dominance? I actually didn't know that those two things were connected. Mm-hmm. So the thing with endometriosis, um, there's a big I find misconception where they think endometriosis, a big cause of it is estrogen dominance when that's not necessarily the case where women, yeah, with women with endometriosis, they can have estrogen dominant symptoms that that often isn't the reason why they're getting endometriosis. So a big root of endometriosis um, would be two things. The woman is probably having a lot of inflammation in her system. So with a lot of inflammation, that's when her cells can get confused and create endometriosis. And the other thing with endo, we have to be looking at her gut health, actually. 
So when a woman, if her gut health isn't the best, that kind of can influence the immune system to create that inflammation to create endometriosis as well. So for her, it probably would be, again, back to nutrition. Um, the thing with DIM, DIM supplements, so with estrogen, we actually have three different ways that our body detoxes estrogen. DIM actually only addresses one part of the picture. So the thing with a woman, if she's um, kind of struggling with, with estrogen detox in the other areas that DIM doesn't support, she's not going to notice any effects from taking a DIM supplement. So this is, would be great when you, if you're going to like a functional medical doctor or a naturopath to kind of figure out like where your estrogen detox might need the most help. Um, I usually like going first at her, the gut health. So are you having daily bowel movements? Um, are we supporting your, your gut health to help with estrogen detox? Mm, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that that only addressed one of the three. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess I you know that, but it when you actually say it in that way, it it really makes you see obviously how holistic mm -hmm. um, estrogen detoxification is. You know, it's you can't just address, take a supplement, and fix it. It's really mm -hmm. a, a a total a total body system for sure. Um, one of the questions about endometriosis, um, do you, this is just from me personally, this is a side note, mm -hmm. is it, is it thought, because I've heard some people mention that it is an autoimmune mm -hmm. condition or disease. Mm -hmm. Is, is it, because obviously most or all autoimmune diseases have a, a strong gut health component simply mm -hmm. because of, you know, that's where our most our immune system is. Is endometriosis technically classified as an autoimmune condition? The jury's out. We actually don't know. So mm -hmm. with a lot of women's um, hormonal conditions, so like endometriosis, fibroids, PCOS, a lot of research is coming out now because these things, honestly, they weren't really investigated um, in depth. And I think now, you know, things are, are shifting. Um, there is some thought that endo is an autoimmune, but we're not, we're not sure. Yeah. We're actually not too sure. Um, but regardless of if it is or not, it's something where we're always going to be wanting to support gut health, lower inflammation, and back to that stress piece. I think the common thread between all autoimmunities is stress. That's what I've noticed with most of my my patients. It seems like, have you noticed that like stress kind of triggers it or almost like sets things in motion? Like yes. A big, yeah. Yeah. Whether it's like a trauma or a life event or just something seems to, it's always, you know, you ask people what happened before their symptoms flared or before things just kind of, you know. Uh, um, came into being in terms of like, oh, I, you know, I started really having all these symptoms of this disease. And it usually is something triggered it, whether it's over exercising and under eating and, you know, or, or like a major trauma, um, which is hard because we do, we, ex we, everybody has stress, right? Everybody mm -hmm. has struggles. And so it's not necessarily eliminating the stress, although we can, it's really learning how to manage it. <laughs> yes, that's the biggest part. And it's something where there's certain things that we know we can't remove. I think it really just comes down to one, building an awareness on where it could be showing up in your life, in your body, in your emotions, in your mindset, and then become a t intentional on how you can help it. Yes. I think, yeah. I like that word, intentional. Mm -hmm. It's not always easy, right? And no. And it's so usually more comfortable not to be intentional, <laughs> not no, to do the yes. things that we know we should do. Yeah, um, that's the but. thing. And often, like, when we are met with, you know, bigger or more stressors, a lot of those things go on the back burner that we know that can help us. It's just back to being intentional and saying, like, you know, really kind of having a real talk with yourself and be like, okay is this really going to help me now and in the future? And if it's not yes to both, then we need to, to figure out how we can do that. Hmm. The last question is from Catherine. Uh, what are some of the root causes of fibroids? So obviously I think you probably will say inflammation, <laughs> yes, but, <that> <laughs> <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but um, what is there a specific hormone imbalance that typically can lead to fibroids or is do we even know? Yeah, so with fibroids, so yes, inflammation is a big a big part. Um, hormonally, many women that can um, have fibroids, they have more of that estrogen excess picture. So the thing with estrogen, it's a it's another really beautiful hormone. It's what makes us women. But when there's too much of it in the system, that's when we can run into issues. And something that can happen with having extra estrogen is it can trigger certain things in our body to grow. So fibroids is like an overgrowth of, of like the uterine um, part of the uterus. So estrogen can be feeding that growth. Got it. Dr. Steffi, thank you so much for answering all of these questions. Yes. Your um, website is Steffi, so S-T-E-F-F-E-D dot C-A. And then your Instagram is Dr. Dot Steffi, so S-T-E-F-F-E and then D, Dr. Dot Steffi D. Um, yes. Everybody go follow her. I'll have all the links in the show notes. Um and yeah, let uh, talk to me more about where people can find you and what you're working on if, if you got anything coming up. Yes, yes. Um, well, you can find me on, on Instagram. I hang out a lot on Instagram. Um, so you can either message me there, hang out and comment, comment on there. Right now, I'm actually going to be doing a masterclass on fibroids um, at the end of the month. So if fibroids are something you're experiencing, would love for you to come and join and just learn more about their root causes and what you can, what you can do about it in a more natural sense natural holistic sense because fibroids is another um, thing where many women are met with okay you either have to take your whole uterus out and get a hysterectomy or you have to go on certain medications that not every woman aligns with so I want to start opening the discussion on other alternatives and different options that women can have I love that. Um, okay, follow Dr. Steffi on Instagram. Um, and thank you so much for being yes. here. And thank you for answering all these questions. This is, this is a, a good hour of really getting um, a lot covered. So I appreciate you being here. Yes, thank you. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you. All right, for more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. And I'll have uh, Dr. Steffi's links in the show notes. Thank you guys for being here. We will talk to you next week. 